This is America in the Morning from Westwood One. Good morning, I'm John Trout. It's Wednesday, February 14th, 2024. Here's what's coming up on America in the Morning. Democrats gain a seat in the House of Representatives in the race to replace George Santos in New York. I'm John Stolnes in Washington. A historic impeachment in the U.S. House. The yeas are 214 and the nays are 213. I'm Clayton Neville. President Biden is warning House Republicans of the stakes if they do not allow a vote on the emergency aid package for Ukraine. Sagar Magani, Washington. Officials in Central Oregon say a reported case of bubonic plague in a resident likely came from a sick pet cat. I Norman Hall. On Wall Street, markets are coming off their worst sell-off in almost a year as inflation came in slightly hotter. I'm Jessica Ettinger. In New York City, suspected gang shooting. Mardi Gras ends in New Orleans. We'll have those stories all ahead on America in the Morning. New York's 3rd Congressional District held a special election to replace disgraced Republican George Santos, and voters flipped the seat blue. John Stolnes has more on the Democrats' victory and what it means for Congress in the weeks and months ahead. Democrat Tom Suozzi's defeat of Republican challenger Mozzie Pillip comes a little more than two months after Santos was expelled from Congress on corruption charges and accusations he lied about his qualifications during his campaign. During his celebration speech last night, Swazi had a message for the House GOP. Stop running around for Trump and start running the country. It's time to find common ground and start delivering for the people of the United States of America. Swazi previously served as Nassau County's representative to Congress from 2017 to 2023. He chose not to run for re-election in the last midterms, instead losing a primary challenge against Kathy Hochul in his bid for the governorship. Democrats rallied around him to send him back following Santos's expulsion. Shortly after numerous news outlets called the race, Pillip took to the stage to concede. And we did a great job. We are the fighters. Yes, we lost, but it doesn't mean we're going to end here. Pillip is a mother of seven and of Ethiopian descent. She immigrated to Israel when she was younger. She failed to hold on to the seat. Santos won by eight points back in November of 2022 in a county that had been growing more Republican as the issue of immigration has grown more prominent in that area. Swazi's election could have a dramatic impact in Congress, with the Republicans' razor-thin majority now cut by one additional seat. Swazi also may have been helped by a winter storm that hit the state early in the morning yesterday. Republicans more than Democrats tend to vote on the day of elections rather than mailing in early. And although the roads were messy at the start of the day, Swazi did take to social media to urge people to come out and vote. Hey, I'm at the John F. Kennedy Middle School here in Bethpage, and the weather has gotten better. There goes a plow. Everything's getting better. Things are getting great. We need everybody to get out and vote. These two candidates could revisit this election in November, as both have committed to running for a full term. I'm John Stolnes. In an historic vote, the U.S. House on party lines impeached Department of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. Correspondent Clayton Neville reports. The impeachment's not expected to get through the Democratic-led Senate, but the House vote to impeach marked the first time a cabinet official has been impeached since the 1870s. On this vote, the yeas are 214 and the nays are 213. 
The resolution is adopted. Republicans like Congresswoman Lauren Boebert celebrating the vote to impeach Alejandro Mayorkas. Who's endangered our country by deliberately handing over control of our southern border to the cartel. Now that's delivering for the American people, and I'm proud to be a part of it. Mayorkas has been under fire for the continued surge of illegal immigration at the southern border. A vote to impeach failed in the House last week, but the return of Congressman Steve Scalise to the House floor in another go this week led to the historic vote. Congressman Tim Burchett took to social media afterward. He lied under oath. He said our border is safe, and in fact it is not safe. It is a very dangerous place, and there is little or any security there. The Department of Homeland Security maintains that the vote comes without what they describe as a shred of evidence and no constitutional grounds. The department released a statement saying House Republicans will be remembered by history for trampling on the Constitution for political gain rather than what it described as working to solve the serious challenges at our border. I'm Clayton Neville. Billions in foreign aid. President Biden weighs in when America in the Morning returns after these messages. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Title Transference aired October 27, 2004. Director James Marshall, writers Todd Slavkin, Darren Swimmer. I really like this episode, and I'm surprised that you don't like it as much as you thought you did. I actually respect your opinion more than I respect my own in general. (laughs) (laughs) When you say things are good and I check them out, they are. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen. Named one of the best personal finance podcasts, The Stacking Benjamin Show with Joe and his friends makes financial literacy fun. I got an email today from the LenPenzo.com HR department. I find oh. it really interesting. I'm an employee of one at this company, so but somebody from the HR department sent me an email telling me that I had a raise. If I just opened the attachment, I could see how much my raise was. Make sure you click on the links that are in there, too. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, I can't wait. This is I'm excited. Find out more by searching the Stacking Benjamins podcast wherever you listen. You're listening to America in the Morning. AccuWeather.com meteorologist Carl Erickson has a check of the Wednesday forecast. Carl? Much of the nation will have a break from the recent stormy weather today, especially across the northeast. They're still cleaning up from yesterday's snowstorm where eastern parts of Pennsylvania, northern New Jersey, and parts of southeastern New England were buried under 6 to 12 inches of snow. Today, a much quieter weather pattern will be in place across the northeast with a good deal of sunshine for the most part. However, there will be a gusty wind through this afternoon that will put an extra chill in the air with highs in the 30s near the coast and 20s across northern New England. There will be more clouds downwind of the Great lakes and a few snow flurries will be found over western New York and parts of the mountains of northern New England. Meanwhile, much of the Ohio and Tennessee valleys and into the southeast will have sunny and nice weather for mid-February with many locations climbing into the 60s this afternoon. This nice, sunny, and mild weather will extend back into the southern plains and Texas as well. Some of the warmest spots over southern Texas and Florida will climb well into the 70s today, even close to 80 degrees. Winter will still be hanging on, though, over the northern Rockies into the northern plains, 
where a stripe of snow will accumulate a few inches from southern Montana and northern Wyoming into North Dakota. Some snow will sneak into parts of the Colorado Rockies today, especially this afternoon. Some snow will also reach southern Minnesota this afternoon, although it'll be just warm enough that some rain can mix in around Minneapolis. The desert southwest into California will have plenty of sunshine and mild weather today, while a storm will spread a soaking rain into northern California, Oregon, and parts of Washington with heavy snow in the Cascades and northern Sierra Nevada. And that's the weather across America. In Philadelphia today, plenty of sunshine, high 39. Meanwhile, in Portland, Oregon, rain with a high of 47. That's the nation's weather. I'm AccuWeather.com meteorologist Kai Erickson. Follow us wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Amazon, and YouTube. Just search America in the Morning in your favorite listening app. I'm John Trout. President Biden is urging the House to follow the Senate's lead in passing an emergency aid bill for Ukraine, Israel, and Taiwan. Washington correspondent Sagar Magani reports. President Biden is warning House Republicans of the stakes if they do not allow a vote on the emergency aid package the Senate has passed for Ukraine, Israel, and Taiwan. This bipartisan bill sends a clear message to Ukrainians and to our partners and to our allies around the world. America can be trusted. America can be relied upon. And America stands up for freedom. We stand strong for our allies. We never bow down to anyone, and certainly not to Vladimir Putin. We can't walk away now. That's what Putin's betting on. The president says Russian counterpart Vladimir Putin must see that the U.S. stands with Ukraine and other allies. Supporting this bill is standing up to Putin. Opposing it is playing into Putin's hands. But the $95 billion bill faces a deeply uncertain future in the House, with hardline Trump-allied Republicans opposed. So I call on the Speaker to let the full House speak its mind and not allow a minority of most extreme voices in the House to block this bill even from being voted on. Even from being voted on. This is a critical act for the House to move. Speaker Mike Johnson has said it could be months before the bill gets to the president's desk, if at all. For Republicans in Congress who think they can oppose funding for Ukraine and not be held accountable, history is watching. Ukraine backers hope the Senate's bipartisan support will put pressure on Johnson with the nearly two-year Russia-Ukraine war at a crucial point. And I urge Speaker Johnson to bring it to the floor immediately, immediately. There's no question that if the Senate bill was put on the floor in the House of Representatives, it would pass. It would pass. And the Speaker knows that. Sagar Magani, Washington. There's concern from the state of Oregon after a rare case of bubonic plague was reported, believed to be transmitted from a sick pet. With a closer look, here's correspondent Norman Hall. Officials in Central Oregon say a reported case of bubonic plague in a resident likely came from a sick pet cat. The infected resident and close contacts have all been provided medication. The cat was also treated but did not survive. Health experts say people in the community are not believed to be at risk. There are a handful of cases in the western U.S. every year. Known as the Black Death in the 14th century, bubonic plague is now highly treatable. It's caused by bacterium carried by rodents and fleas. Repellent with DEET can help protect people from rodent fleas when camping or working outdoors. I'm Norman Hall. Tuesday sell-off in the markets. Inflation to blame. When America in the Morning returns after these messages.
This is America in the Morning. Welcome back. The Wall Street Journal is reporting that Walmart is in talks to buy smart television maker Vizio for about $2 billion. Walmart, along with its Sam Club outlets, is currently Vizio's largest customer, and the low-cost Vizio TVs are the retailer's best-selling brand. The deal would be a positive for Walmart, allowing it more space where it can sell advertising and pitch shoppers on their goods and services. A nice run in U.S. markets has come to a screeching halt. CNBC's Jessica Ettinger has that in your Wednesday business report. Wall Street opens this morning after a sell-off for stocks. Yesterday, the Dow and the S&P 500 indexes each had their worst days in almost a year. There was a big response to a small miss on inflation, but investors took it to mean that inflation could be stubborn and the Fed won't be cutting interest rates anytime soon. The Dow was down more than 500 points yesterday. The S&P 500 index fell 68. The Nasdaq was down 280 points. We've seen several months of much better than expected inflation data. We get one month that looks a little worse than expected. It's not the end of the world. But what it does do is cause that incremental doubt. Stickier inflation, stickier rates for longer. That's actually a, a, a riskier environment for the economy in the medium term than if we were seeing a clear slowdown now. New York Life's Lord and Goodwin on CNBC. There were companies yesterday whose shares hit all-time highs, like Walmart, Berkshire Hathaway B, Chubb Progressive Travelers, and Waste Management. Now, here's what happened with inflation in January. And by the way, there's the January effect. And some say that was in play because companies typically raise prices every January. Inflation came in hotter than expected. Consumer prices up three-tenths of a percent from December, and they were up 3.1 percent from January a year ago. The Fed's target is 2%. I don't think the Fed is going to be as freaked out about this number as perhaps the market is. If you look back, uh, we pulled a quote from Susan Collins uh, last week. Uh, she just says, look, this is uh, we think it's going to come down, and the road may well be bumpy. CNBC senior economics reporter Steve Leesman. There are some ways we can all help bring down inflation. Yeah, well, we can all stop buying higher-priced items at restaurants and at grocery stores, and to be sure... Many people already are. Coca-Cola reported mixed quarterly results yesterday. Of course, it said it raised prices in the quarter, and then it found it was selling less. Volumes were down. Packaged goods group is not a good group to be in. If they put through price increases, we see that the customer balks. By the way, McDonald's talked about price increases in the customer balking. Uh, there is a considerable group of people, they make 40000 to 100000 who right now are on the fence about spending and would rather make things at home. And at home is still cheaper, of course, than going out. CNBC's Mad Money host, Jim Cramer. On today's watch list, we get earnings from another packaged goods company, Kraft Heinz, plus Generac, Cisco Systems, TripAdvisor, and Occidental Petroleum. The New York Fed releases data on buy now, pay later, or pay in four loans. Uber, Lyft, and DoorDash workers planning a nationwide protest today. Thank you. CNBC's Jessica Edinger. Suspected gang shooting in New York. Mardi Gras ends. Those stories when America in the Morning continues after these messages. We're back. 
This is America in the Morning. Rival gangs may have been responsible for the rush hour shooting at a New York City subway station that left one person dead and five others injured. Correspondent Julie Walker reports the suspects remain at large. Police in New York City believe there were three shooters in Monday afternoon's deadly subway shooting involving two rival groups on a four train in the Bronx. NYPD Chief of Detectives Joseph Kenny. If you can imagine a chaotic scene, you have a crowded train pulling onto a crowded platform, one shot being fired. Now everybody's trying to scramble to get off the platform. A 35-year-old man was killed and five others, including two 14-year-olds and a 71-year-old man were sent to the hospital with gunshot wounds. The motive we believe for this incident is going to be gang-related between these two rival groups. Kenny says they found 19 9mm shell casings discharged. Some were on the train, others on the platform, and some on the street. Julie Walker, New York. Correspondent Haya Panjwani reminds us today is Valentine's Day. It's also Ash Wednesday, which means that in New Orleans, Mardi Gras has come to a close. Throughout the United States, but especially in New Orleans, carnival season marks Fat Tuesday or Mardi Gras. Even though it's a secular celebration, Carnival is rooted in Christian and Roman Catholic traditions. It begins on January 6th, the 12th day after Christmas, and concludes on Mardi Gras. Paige Vance is the captain of the Bosom Buddies, which organized a march this past Friday. We do what we do because there's nothing like it in the world. There's nothing like Mardi Gras in the United States. There's nothing like New Orleans in the United States. It doesn't get better. It doesn't get more fun. I'm Haya Pinjwani. And for February 14th, 2024, America in the Morning is produced by Jeff McKay, senior producer Kevin Delaney. I'm John Trout. This is Westwood One. This is America in the Morning from Westwood One. I'm John Trout. Coming up this half hour. President Biden is ripping his predecessor for comments about America's commitment to protect its NATO allies, Sagar Megani, Washington. Blanketing snow in parts of the Northeast. I'm Clayton Neville. One governor is redistricting maps to avoid heading to the state Supreme Court. I'm Katie Clark with details. Jackie Robinson's statue vandalized. The end of gunshot detection in Chicago. And from Texas, a report on a vehicle running into a hospital. Sunday Super Bowl was the most watched TV program in U.S. history. I'm Archie Zaroleta with the latest. What to watch and where to watch it with that special someone today. I'm Kevin Carr. Back after these messages. Hi there. Sorry for the interruption, but are you enjoying this show on Google Podcasts? You should know that the Google Podcasts app is going away this spring. That's right, going away, gone, as in no longer available. You can still enjoy this show elsewhere, though. Try out Spotify or Amazon Music, or maybe TuneIn is more your style. Whatever app you switch to. Be sure to follow so you never miss the next episode. And thanks for listening, wherever you listen. Snow across the nation, not as prevalent as yesterday. Here's AccuWeather.com meteorologist Carl Erickson on America in the Morning with a check of the forecast. 
Winter will still be hanging on over the northern Rockies into the northern plains today, where a stripe of snow will accumulate a few inches from southern Montana and northern Wyoming into North Dakota. Some snow will sneak into parts of the Colorado Rockies today, especially this afternoon and evening. Some snow will also reach southern Minnesota this afternoon, although it'll be just warm enough that some rain can mix in around Minneapolis and into northern Iowa. Meanwhile, the Northeast will have a break from the recent stormy weather after yesterday's storm dumped a swath of 6 to 12 inches of snow from eastern parts of Pennsylvania into northern New Jersey and parts of southeastern New England. Today, a much quieter weather pattern will be in place across the Northeast with a good deal of sunshine for the most part. However, there will be a gusty wind through this afternoon that will put an extra chill in the air with highs in the 30s near the coast and 20s across northern New England. There will be more clouds downwind of the Great Lakes region with a few snow flurries found over western parts of New York State and parts to the mountains of northern New England. The west will turn stormy again as rain will soak northern California, Oregon, and parts of Washington with heavy snow falling across the Cascades and northern Sierra Nevada. Meanwhile, much of the Ohio and Tennessee valleys and in the southeast will have plenty of sunshine and nice weather for mid-February with many locations climbing into the 60s for highs this afternoon. This nice, sunny, and mild weather will extend back into the southern plains and Texas as well. Some of the warmest spots over southern Texas and Florida will climb well into the 70s today, even close to 80 degrees. The desert southwest into California will have plenty of sunshine and mild weather with highs in the 60s and lower 70s, just a few clouds sneaking in across Arizona and New Mexico. That's the nation's weather. I'm AccuWeather.com meteorologist Carl Erickson. Follow us wherever you get your podcasts. Apple, Spotify, Amazon, and YouTube. Just search America in the Morning in your favorite listening app. I'm John Trout. President Biden went before the cameras Tuesday and blasted Donald Trump's comments questioning America's commitment to protecting NATO allies from a Russian attack that did not meet their defense spending quotas. Washington correspondent Sagar Magani reports. President Biden is ripping his predecessor for comments that so doubts about America's commitment to protect its NATO allies from attack. The former president has sent a dangerous and shockingly, frankly, un-American signal to the world. Just a few days ago, Trump gave an invitation to Putin to invade some of our allies, NATO allies. He said if an ally didn't spend enough money on defense, he would encourage Russia to, quote, do whatever the hell they want, end of quote. Can you imagine a former president of the United States saying that? The whole world heard it. The worst thing is he means it. Donald Trump said Saturday he once warned an alliance member the U.S. would not protect it from Russian attack if it was not paying enough for its own defense. No, I would not protect you. In fact, I would encourage them to do whatever the hell they want. You got to pay. For God's sake, it's dumb. It's shameful. It's dangerous. It's un-American. When America gives us word, it means something. When we make a commitment, we keep it. And NATO is a sacred commitment. Donald Trump looks at this as if it's a burden. When he looks at NATO, he doesn't see the alliance that protects America and the world. He sees a protection racket. The president says the U.S. commitment to NATO's Article 5, which holds that an attack on one ally is an attack on all, is sacred. No other president in our history has ever bowed down to a Russian dictator. Well, let me say this as clearly as I can. I never will. And says Trump doesn't get that the commitment works for the U.S. as well, noting Article 5 has only been invoked once. And it was done to stand with America. After we were attacked on 9-11. Sagar Magani, Washington.
Parts of the Northeast were hammered by snow yesterday, turning some roads into slush, airport traffic delayed or canceled. But as planned, a special election vote in New York did take place. Correspondent Clayton Neville has more on the impacts of the storm. The mid-February winter blast dropped massive amounts of snow from New York and New Jersey to Pennsylvania and Massachusetts. Nearly 50 million people in the Northeast were under winter weather alerts. We're taking this storm extremely, extremely uh, serious. We want New Yorkers to do the same. New York City Mayor Eric Adams says more than three inches of snow fell in the city, the most in a few years. As the forecasts continue to shift, we will continue to notify New Yorkers. Uh, it's going to be low visibility, high wind gusts. Students in New York City had classes online and snowfall totals were even higher in other spots. North of NYC, 10 inches of snow fell, as many as 15 in parts of eastern Pennsylvania. Slick conditions for drivers and road crews in Boston. We're, we're on the clock for 24 hours no matter what, so we'll be here. If it stops, we get to go home. If not, we'll be here all night. NBC 10 in Boston spoke with motorists. I hate the cold. I wish I was in Florida. They should have all shopped yesterday and tried to stay home because if you just let the plows do their job, it's the best thing, you know. Let us get the snow out of the way. The winter weather had wide-ranging impacts with more than 1,500 flights canceled. While the majority of expected snow has fallen, it's the frigid temperatures now that still have a grip on parts of the Northeast. I'm Clayton Neville. Winter weather woes turned into an education snafu in New York City. As correspondent Julie Walker reports, the Big Apple's nearly one million school kids went to remote learning and technical problems did not allow many students to log into their classes. Instead of a snow day, the country's largest school system, New York City, had remote learning for the storm. But with a million students needing to get online along with teachers, it did not work out as planned, leaving many upset. I was giving a feeling great. That was Staten Island parent Mary Grace Lamonti, who has two young children. She was lucky and got online. A lot of people can't even access the system. Um, I have a friend who's a teacher. She couldn't log in to teach her class today. Mayor Eric Adams had pushed remote learning over a snow day, and school's chancellor David Banks blamed IBM for access issues. IBM is the one who authenticates their users and the user names. IBM says it had been working closely with city schools to address the situation as quickly as possible. Julie Walker, New York. Because of that northeast snowstorm, there were thousands of canceled and delayed flights Tuesday, but at some airports, travelers had to walk past flight attendants on picket lines speaking up about getting a pay raise. With a follow-up on that story, here's correspondent Ed Donahue. Flight attendants are growing frustrated with the major airlines. At O'Hare Airport in Chicago, Southwest flight attendant and union leader Corliss King says it's been a year since pilots got big pay raises. We are demanding the respect of flight attendants in our profession. We are not standing down any longer to substandard contracts, to substandard conditions, to substandard wages. King says flight attendants haven't been rewarded for working through the pandemic and being responsible for passenger safety. What's the next step? We are ready to take all available options that are afforded to us. Last fall, flight attendants rejected a deal with Southwest. Airline strikes can be delayed or blocked by federal mediators, the president or Congress. I'm Ed Donahue. Redistricting gerrymandered maps and meet Apple Vision Pro's rival. 
Those stories and more when America in the Morning returns after these messages. Welcome back. This is America in the Morning. I'm John Trout. In Wisconsin, Republicans and Democrats are meeting in the middle to rework purported gerrymandered maps for redistricting legislative boundaries. Katie Clark reports the alternative was a final court challenge that would have taken it out of their hands. A battle has gone on for many years in Wisconsin and is finally coming to a head. Decisions are being made on redistricting for the 2024 election. Wisconsin Governor Tony Evers redrew maps that skew away from Republican-heavy districts to a more Democratic representation. Republicans have had a supermajority in both the Wisconsin Assembly and Senate. For over 10 years, the maps have favored Republican voting while Democrats were feeling underrepresented. A few months ago, the Wisconsin Supreme Court ruled the current maps were unconstitutional. The Democratic governor's maps are being approved by state Republicans, which avoids a trip to the state Supreme Court for a decision. Wisconsin State Majority Leader Devin Lemahue. The legislature, we're, we're going to step up, we're going to end this sham litigation and pass the governor's map. The 2024 election is almost here. Passing these maps and having them signed by the governor will give Wisconsin voters the certainty that they deserve. Democratic Senator Chris Larson. Forgive me for speculating because this is what has been happening repeatedly for the last 14 years. There will be every attempt after this is passed to continue to try and prevent the public from actually being represented in this legislative body and in the state assembly. I'm Katie Clark. A suspect has been apprehended charged in the destruction of a statue honoring Jackie Robinson in Kansas. Correspondent Jennifer King reports. Lieutenant Aaron Moses with the Wichita, Kansas Police says 45-year-old Ricky Alderetti was charged Monday in the theft of a bronze statue of baseball great Jackie Robinson. Our investigation has led us to be very confident that it was not a race-related crime. Instead, it was due to financial gain for, for common medals. Only the feet of the statue were left on its base at a park where hundreds of children play youth baseball in League 42, named for Robinson's uniform number with the Brooklyn Dodgers. Remnants of the statue and a truck believed to have been used in the theft were recovered. If you try to take something from this community, uh, it won't be tolerated. Wichita Police Chief Joe Sullivan says surveillance video points to additional suspects. I am confident this is only the first arrest. Audio courtesy KAKE. Bob Lutz with the Little League nonprofit that commissioned the sculpture says donations have been pouring in. The artist mold may still be viable to replace the statue. Lutz says some of the extra money raised could be used to enhance programming and facilities. I'm Jennifer King. Chicago will stop using what some deemed a controversial gunshot detection system later this year. Lisa Dwyer has details. Chicago's Mayor Brandon Johnson says the city is not renewing its shot spotter contract. The system relies on an artificial intelligence algorithm and microphones to identify gunshots. But it's been criticized for inaccuracy, racial bias, and law enforcement misuse. Chicago's $49 million contract with Sound Thinking expires Friday. The city plans to wind down its use of the shot spotter technology by late September. Johnson campaigned on a promise to end the use of shot spotter, putting him at odds with law enforcement. Police say the technology puts officers on the scene of shootings much faster than waiting for 911 calls. I'm Lisa Dwyer. 
Authorities are investigating after a vehicle crashed into the emergency room at an Austin, Texas hospital. Correspondent Norman Hall has that story. Authorities in Austin say at least one person was killed when a car smashed into the ER at St. David's North Austin Medical Center shortly after 5.30 p.m. There's no immediate word on whether the driver was among the injured. The crash appeared to be unintentional. St. David's North Austin Medical Center, which has a 24-hour emergency department, is described on its website as a 441-bed acute care facility. I'm Norman Hall. The new Apple Vision Pro headsets come with a hefty price tag as well as some weighty problems. But one company has a new alternative with a clear pass-through lens that will still present a pretty cool augmented reality view of the real world. Here's Chuck Palm to take us into the fantasy realm. A new tech AI startup has released a pair of frame glasses that tout having AI superpowers. Brilliant Labs have created the frame glasses with a clear lens that can be replaced to fit your prescription. With features like visual search, instant translation, and landmark identification, this open source AI allows the end user to add more applications and grow its intelligence with use. Since the frames are clearer, the user has no danger of walking in public while wearing these AI augmented reality glasses. The glasses also come with a 1280x720 camera, a microphone, and a 220mAh battery. The RXable glasses still kick the affordable lenses up to $448 and start shipping on April 15th. Tell us what you think at allthetoptech.tech. I'm Chuck Palm. With your midweek sports report on America in the Morning, here's Robert Workman. NBA last night, the first place Celtics won their fifth straight, 118-100 over the Nets. Jason Tatum scored 41 points. Anthony Edwards had 41 as the Timberwolves trampled the Blazers 121-109. Minnesota holds the top spot in the West. Heat led wire to wire as they battered the Bucks. Bam Adebayo notched a triple-double. Thunder rattled the Magic, 33 for Jalen Williams. Shea Gilgis-Alexander added 32. Suns outlasted the Kings and the Lakers over the Pistons. College basketball number four Marquette gets the win at Butler, but seventh-ranked North Carolina fell at Syracuse. That's the Tar Heels' third loss in their last five games. Number 10 Iowa State won at Cincinnati. 12th-ranked Baylor handled number 25 Oklahoma. And Indiana State's return to the rankings may not last very long. The 23rd-ranked Sycamores lost to Illinois State last night, their first game as a top 25 team since the Larry Bird era in 1979. Hockey, the Oilers rolled over the Red Wings, their eighth straight win at home. Connor McDavid had a career-high six assists. Lightning zapped the Bruins on Braden Point's shootout goal. Always fun to play them. You know, they're a skilled group. They work hard. They're, they're good structure. Um, they're fun games. They're tough to win, but, uh, you know, I'm glad we did tonight. Kraken tripped the Islanders in a shootout. Sabres silenced the Kings. Uko Pekka-Lukanen made 33 saves for his fourth shutout of the season. Canadians blanked the Ducks, holding Anaheim to just 13 shots. Maple Leafs beat the Blues. Bobby McMahon with his first ever hat trick. Senators slammed the Blue Jackets. Brady Kachuk, the second hatter of his career. Avalanche crushed the Capitals to snap a four-game rock slide. Arturi Lekanen had two goals and two assists. Alex Ovechkin scored for the sixth straight game. Wins for the first-place Canucks, as well as the Devils and the Stars. And for most of baseball, pitchers and catchers report today. It's a sure sign of spring. That's Wednesday Sports. Sports with Robert Workman. When we return on America in the Morning, meet Major League Baseball's new play-by-play announcer, the first female to garner that title after these messages.
America in the Morning continues. Many considered it an exciting game, but it was also one for the Super Bowl ratings record book. Correspondent Margie Zaroleta has that. The Super Bowl averaged 123.4 million viewers on CBS, Nickelodeon, Univision, and Paramount Plus, as well as on the NFL's digital platforms, according to Nielsen and Adobe Analytics. That was a 7% increase over last year's ratings. Nielsen says a record 202.4 million people watched at least part of the game, a 10% increase from last year. Why the jump? It was only the second Super Bowl ever to go into overtime, and there was the Taylor Swift effect. But Nielsen also counted viewers differently. It started including out-of-home viewers in limited markets for its ratings starting in 2020, but this year it was from all 50 states. I'm Archie Zaroleta. From the record books to the glass ceiling, a veteran broadcaster is set to become baseball's first full-time female play-by-play announcer. Correspondent Gethin Coolball has the story. Veteran baseball broadcaster Jenny Kavnar is the new primary play-by-play announcer for the Oakland Athletics, hired by NBC Sports California. Kavnar becomes the first woman to handle primary play-by-play duties in Major League history, set to be the voice for most of the A's games during the upcoming 2024 season. She has covered baseball for 17 of her 20 years in the media business, most recently calling Colorado Rockies games the past 12 years as a backup play-by-play announcer, while also hosting pregame and post game shows and regional coverage. I'm Geffen Coolbaugh. Many of us will celebrate Valentine's Day today, and if not directly focused on your sweetheart, there are some things you can watch together. Kevin Carr takes a look. Today is Valentine's Day, and there's plenty of romance to watch. By analyzing Google searches for films with romance as a theme, Venture Smarter ranked the most searched films for Valentine's Day. Sorry, buddy. Elements don't mix. Topping the list was Pixar's Elemental, available on Disney+. Plus. Flying! In second place was Titanic, which is available on Paramount+. Plus. I think the prettiest person I've ever seen. Really? And rounding out the top three was the Jennifer Lawrence R-rated rom-com No Hard Feelings, available on Netflix. What do you want? What do you want? It's not that simple. What do you want? Google users wanted The Notebook, available on Macs and Hulu. Do you have any interests outside of work? I enjoy various physical pursuits. Fifty Shades of Grey, available on Peacock and Max, was also tied down. Lovers looking for a night out can see Lisa Frankenstein in theaters. I tend to his grave. I talk to him. I wish I was with you. And the raunchy little rom-com that could, anyone but you, is still in the multiplex. Titanic me. Are they watching? If you're looking for something less traditional, the 1981 Canadian slasher My Bloody Valentine is available to rent online. In this town on Valentine's Day, everybody loses their heart. And the love story across time, The Terminator, can be found on AMC+. I came across time for you, Sarah. I love you. Hugs and kisses. I'm Kevin Carr. That's our show for today, Wednesday, February 14th, 2024. America in the Morning is produced by Jeff McKay. Senior producer, Kevin Delaney. I'm John Trout. This is Westwood One. The Ed Milet Show showcases the greatest peak performers sharing their journey, knowledge, and thought leadership. This is one of the all-time best pieces of advice ever given on the show. Actor Rain Wilson. The number one thing that psychologists point to with young people of why they are struggling so much in this mental health epidemic is they don't have resilience. So how do you build resilience if you don't understand suffering itself? The Ed Milet Show is available on YouTube or wherever you listen. 